Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number two of Revelation chapter four. And we're going to begin by reading verse two. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Now here God is moving the apostle John to record that he was in the spirit. And that teaches us that he was not caught up bodily in any sense, but it was accomplished in the spirit. God was showing him a vision and giving him this revelation spiritually. He, he was not literally lifted up to heaven with his physical body. Now we, we also read here that immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven. The word throne or the Greek word translated as throne singular is found 39 times in the book of Revelation. And one other time it's translated as thrones, plural, totaling 40 times that the Greek word translated here as throne will be found just in the book of Revelation. And we'll also read this word in 14 out of the 22 chapters of this book. So certainly there's no question that God is teaching us as as we are given uh, this privileged glimpse, this privileged look into the kingdom of God, into his very throne room, into the place where God rules from his kingdom. He, he exercises his dominion over all that he has created in eternity past and ever will create. He is the great king. And that's one thing the Lord uh, would have us to learn as we study the book of Revelation and especially in Revelation chapters four and five. He, he would emphasize to us and, and impress upon us that he is a great and holy king. And we sometimes fail to properly uh, even begin to understand that, especially in our modern day when uh, kings and queens, for the most part, are not something we find too often in the world. And and yet uh, God is king of kings and lord of lords. His kingship remains and continues and and he will rule over all into eternity future. He will always be king. But let's uh, just look at a few verses in the Old Testament where God does point out that he is a king. In Isaiah chapter 6, it says, beginning in verse 1, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now this is a very similar picture to the one we're reading about in Revelation 4 verse 2. There was a throne in heaven and one sat upon the throne. And here the prophet Isaiah is also being given 
of similar vision. And, of course, we're, we're not surprised because it is the one and the same God, the one and the same king, that with earthly kings, they might reign for 30 or 40 years, and, and then they die and their son takes the throne. But with the kingdom of God, his is an eternal rule. He, he is the eternal majesty and his blood, his royal blood is that which forever will reign and he is the almighty king. And so the same king, the very same king, in the very same throne room, seated upon the very same throne, is in view in Isaiah 6. And in verse 2, it says, Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Jehovah of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried in the house was filled with smoke. An awesome uh, spectacle, an awesome view of the great and glorious king of heaven. And that king is the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who is one with the Father. As we read in First Timothy chapter 6, it says in verse 14, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Really, God it is just a supreme uh, being that, that we get these little um, insights into as he, he graciously grants them to us in his word, these little glimpses into the incredible, awesome being that God is. And a great king is one of the ways that God describes himself. We read in Psalm 93, in verse 2, these words, Psalm 93. Well, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Jehovah reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. Jehovah is clothed with strength, wherewith he has girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. See, God's kingdom and his rule as king is not something new. He's, he's not a newly established king. He's not a, a king just because uh, mankind now is able to recognize him as such. But he is a king of old. He is a king from everlasting. He was born a king as the Lord Jesus Christ also 
uh, was the king that entered into the human race. And uh, remember, Pilate wrote, uh, the king of the Jews. And and the Jews said, say not uh, that he's king of the Jews, but, but that they, they wanted to change it. And Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. And and it, it was very appropriate because Jesus is Lord of all, King of all. And if any king is worthy of being bowed down to, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. If any king is worthy to serve and and to go to battle for, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. If any king is worthy of honor and worthy of obedience, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 103, it says in verse 19, Jehovah has prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Of course, we could go through just many, many verses in the Bible and they would all testify and all witness to the same truth that God is the king. He is the uh, almighty omnipotent, as it says in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. The Lord God omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty God reigns, and he is the one reigning today, reigning over this earth, reigning over all, reigning over his people. And he commands, as a king will do, and he commands his people in his word what we are to do. He tells us precisely what to do on a daily basis. And and as a king, he is to be obeyed. Well, let's go back to our verse in Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And in the Bible, to sit uh, points to, oftentimes to rule, uh, to uh, uh, be one that is in authority, that God is the sovereign ruler over all his kingdom, is really what uh, this verse is telling us. And let's move on then to verse 3. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. Now he that sat would be God, the Lord Jesus, and he was to look upon. This is the description of God. Of course, it doesn't mean at all this is what God looks like. It is language God is going to borrow, he's going to use to teach us certain things about himself and about his gospel. And, and of course, God looks nothing like a jasper and a sardine stone. He is spirit. And 
these things, these uh, precious jewels, they're, they're physical things of this earth that God is referring to in order to teach the preciousness of God and also the the preciousness of the people of God, because that's what we find. It's interesting. Again, let me read that he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. But when we find the uh, word jasper and the word sardine, which is uh, also translated as sardius, these these rare stones, these valuable stones, when we find them mentioned, they are normally mentioned together. But it's interesting how God in the Bible speaks of them. In Exodus chapter 28, for instance, let's turn back there. In Exodus 28, we, we read, and I'll begin reading in verse 15, And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. Now, this is going to describe the breastplate of judgment that will uh, be placed upon the high priest. Aaron, the first high priest, will will be the first man to wear this. And, of course, the Lord Jesus is also the great high priest of his people. So let's keep that in mind as we're reading this. Uh, Again, in verse 15, Thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twined linen, shalt thou make it. Four square it shall be, being doubled. A span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set it in settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. And the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a ligure, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, and an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings. And the stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve, according to their names like the engravings of a signet. Everyone with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. Now, we read the breastplate of judgment, which the high priest will put on himself, is to have uh, these settings of stones, and there's four rows with three stones in each row, totaling twelve precious stones, and the twelve will have the names of the children of Israel. And then we also read in verses 29 and 30 of Exodus 28, And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before Jehovah continually. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before Jehovah. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before Jehovah continually. And clearly God is indicating that the names of these stones identify with the children of Israel. And when the high priest goes in 
to to offer sacrifice, that he will be bearing the names of the children of Israel upon his heart, and he will do this continually. And that can only be a picture and a type and a figure of the Lord Jesus Christ, who when he as the high priest um, after Melchizedek, the eternal high priest, offered up himself for the sins of spiritual Israel, the body of believers, all of God's elect, that he was bearing their sins and therefore they themselves, those predestinated souls, those elect people, were as though laid upon his very heart continually, even after he paid the penalty for all their sins, he rose from the dead and was resurrected to glorify them finally. And, and, and so God has closely identified the children of Israel with the Lord Jesus Christ in, um, this spiritual picture of the breastplate of judgment that the high priest would wear when going about his high priestly duties. Now we also read in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, the picture of the New Jerusalem, which uh, is another figure that the Bible uses to describe the body of believers, all of the true believers that God will save. And in verse 10 of Revelation chapter 21, it says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Do you see the similarity here with the breastplate of judgment that the Lord Jesus, or excuse me, that Aaron, the high priest, would wear, pointing to Christ, that here with this city, we also have the names of the children of Israel written within the very city itself. And of course, the Bible speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ as the city. Well, let's see. I believe that reference is in Daniel chapter 9 and and other places. But but uh, just as Christ um, is the city, so the body of Christ is called the New Jerusalem, the city of God. It, it's really one in the same as we cannot separate Christ from his people. But also further along in Revelation 21, in verse 17, it says, And he measured the wall thereof a hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, lengthened to clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished. That That's the same word as adorned, back in verse 2 of Revelation 21. The, the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, 
the third, a Chalcedony, the fourth, an emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, sardius, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, a beryl, the ninth, a topaz, the tenth, a chrysophorus, the eleventh, a jacinth, the twelfth, an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. Now here God speaks of twelve precious stones that the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with. And there are some of the same stones mentioned that were upon the breastplate of judgment that the the high priest of Israel would wear. How are we to understand this? Why is God using these stones to identify with the heavenly city? And why, uh, when we're reading in Revelation 4, that the one seated upon the throne had an appearance like a jasper and sardine stone? When a jasper and sardine stone, as well as other stones, point to true believers. Well, um, let's also look to 1 Corinthians 3. And again, these stones are called precious stones in a few places. And we find in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than, it, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, Precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Now here, without any question, the gold, silver, precious stones are a reference to the true believers laid upon the foundation that is Christ. And then the fire is put to them as well as the wood, hay, stubble, but they will endure because of the quality of the stones, that they are precious stones, and they're able to endure the fire that God will light and and put all through. The wood, hay, stubble are those that profess to be true believers but are not, and they will be burned up. And and again, the jasper and, and sardius stone, uh, they both relate to true believers. But in Revelation 4, verse 3, And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone. Now, he that sat upon the throne is eternal God. And, well, we saw that the Lord Jesus is the the only potentate, First Timothy 6 said. And that means it is the Lord Jesus seated upon the throne. The Bible also, of course, uses language repeatedly that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And we are familiar, we're, we're used to God using this kind of language where there is a Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, yet one God. And so God can speak of Christ at his right hand, and yet he is also the one seated upon the throne. And what does God say? concerning that throne and the Lord Jesus and the true believers. Remember, in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible tells us in verse 6, 
and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is, the true believers are elevated and exalted to the lofty height, the the incredible place of being seated upon the throne in Christ. We are in him, and God has made us, therefore, of royal blood. We are a royal priesthood. He likens us to prophets, yes, to priests, the royal priesthood, and to kings, because we are adopted into the family of God. We are sons of God. We are children of the great king, and therefore we are also of royalty, spiritually speaking. We are descendants of the almighty sovereign God of the Bible. And and so God identifies himself as the one seated upon the throne. He identifies Christ as the one seated upon the throne. And in Christ, he identifies the believers also as being seated upon the great throne of heaven. And that's why when we read in Revelation 4, 2, that these things, like a jasper and a sardine stone, apply to spiritual Israel, to the elect of God, and yet it also applies to the description of God himself, because we are one. Christ is one with the Father, and we are one with God in the Lord Jesus Christ. 